The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Thank you, my friends. Welcome to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Hey. I just love it. I just love being with these wonderful people because I get down like anybody else, but I never feel bad when I'm on stage with you people. And I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about the shape of the world these days, but um, you know this guy, Donald Trump? You heard of this? People? people? People talk about him a lot. And because people are talking about him, we talk about him like, say, the 91 charges he's facing, which is... Technically speaking, technically speaking, and I don't want to get into the legal jar- jargon here, that's a lot. That's a lot of charges. <laughs> but but it has, as much as all of us talk and think about this numbnut, every so often, it's really important with this guy, it's important to, let's say, metaphorically, jam the sharpened stick of knowledge into the soft inner thigh of your mind and just <laughs> grind it around a little bit to try to reawaken the horror of what our country would be like if this hate-filled dingus and his soulless goons ever got a hold of power again. Because... Because... And I don't know if you've noticed, but Donald Trump is a fascist. Too harsh, you say? Fine. But consider this, my friends. Over the past week, Trump has repeatedly compared his political opponents to vermin who he will root out. First, okay, that's dehumanizing his fellow Americans. Second, if he's really looking for vermin, he should start with his own lawyer, who I believe is an alcoholic mole rat. (laughs) Okay? Now, further, my friends, if the word vermin has a hint of Himmler to you, well spotted, because according to the Washington Post... Trump has long toyed with the language of fascists, but is now echoing dictators like Hitler and Mussolini. Yes, some in the media are starting to suspect that the guy who sent a violent mob to murder his vice president so he could stay in power might have a dark side. (laughs) Yesterday, Trump's campaign pushed back on this comparison to jackbooted dictators with this reassuring statement. Those who try to make that ridiculous assertion are clearly snowflakes grasping for anything, and their entire existence will be crushed when President Trump (laughs) returns to the White House. (laughs) Furthermore, anyone who says I'm a cannibal is a liar, and if they say it again, I will eat their delicious face. (laughs) You'd look pretty good on a bun, buddy. (laughs) Now, naturally, this spokesman's initial statement there was perceived as a bit extreme. So, So the spokesman... and and this is real, later clarified that instead of crushing their entire existence, 
He meant to say their sad, miserable existence. <laughs> so less of a walk it back and more of a goose step it forward. <laughs> Here's another thing that fascists enjoy doing. They cling to power after the voters reject them. That's what Trump is on trial for in Georgia, where prosecutors have gotten multiple Trump associates to plead guilty, including former Trump attorney and school parent explaining why the very hungry caterpillar is homosexual agenda. (laughs) Jenna Ellis. Last night, video leaked of Ellis revealing to prosecutors that in the December of 2020, a Trump White House aide told her that even though the lawyers were telling Trump that he definitely lost, quote, the boss is not going to leave. That's not good. The only time you want to hear someone say the boss is not going to leave is after the third encore of a Springsteen concert, right before the opening notes of Thunder Road. He's a machine! Bruce! (laughs) Thanks to Jonathan Carl's new book. Carl's our guest on Thursday, right over there. Thanks to uh, Jonathan Carl's new book, we're also learning more about Trump's belief in some of the weirder QAnon uh, theories that have percolated out there. For instance, back in uh, 2021, uh, the Q folks were all saying that Trump would be reinstated on August 13th, 2021, as part of the so-called storm, when Trump would expose the cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophile elites and declare martial law, meaning he would remain in power and conduct mass arrests and executions of top Democrats or other supposed members of the cabal. Oh, 2021. (laughs) It was a crazy time. (laughs) Of course, since then, most of the more insane believers in that nonsense have been sentenced to Congress. But (laughs) it turns out, turns out it wasn't just your aunt on Facebook who bought into Q, because that summer, Trump was telling people that he expected he would get reinstated by August. Come on. Cult leaders should never get high on their own supply. My MAGA faithful, put on your Nikes and watch me drink all this delicious Kool-Aid. It's all mine. Yum, 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 yum. I'm the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. I can't feel my fingers. Why am I so sleepy? Why am I... (laughs) And now Jonathan Carl has released audio from the summer of 2021 showing just how deeply Trump believed this nonsense. You don't really think there's a way you would get reinstated before the next election, do you? I'm not going to explain it to you, Jonathan, because you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't either understand it or write it. I'm not going to explain it to you, Jonathan, you know. I know how it would work, Jonathan, but you wouldn't understand. How about you tell me how you would get me reinstated <laughs> to stop the Satan cabal Frito Banditos or whatever the chock full of nutsos are yammering to me about? What's your idea, John? Now let's talk about Trump's new immigration plan. It's just like the old one, but with more worser. And no surprise, this plan has the same old author, Trump advisor and... and male elk about to charge a reflective store window. (laughs) Stephen Miller. Miller's new plan includes some of Trump's greatest hits, like sweeping raids and mass deportations alongside fresh horrors, rounding up undocumented people and detaining them in giant camps to make the giant internment camps sound a little more family-friendly, Miller assured reporters that the camps would look professional. (laughs) Professional? Fushoo! It may be a giant step down the road to totalitarianism, but on the bright side, no Crocs. (laughs) Now, 
This is all made a lot Hitlerier by the fact that Trump's former chief of staff, John Kelly, claims Trump once told him Hitler did a lot of good things. Okay, I think we have enough data points. Have we proven that Trump is a fascist? To find out, let's bring out the Donald Trump dictatometer. <laughs> Here we go. Trump calls his opponents vermin, says he will crush those who disagree with him, holds on to power at all costs, would declare martial law to stop an imaginary evil cabal, plans to put people in camps, and says Hitler had some good ideas. Jim? He's gone, and he's never coming back, because our joke solved everything. <laughs> Today uh, was an embarrassing day down in Congress, thanks to Oklahoma senator and guy you don't remember at your high school reunion asking, is your little sister still hot? <laughs> Mark Wayne Mullen. This afternoon, was this a Senate hearing? No. In a Senate hearing, Mullen faced off against a witness, Teamsters president and half-eagle, half-egg, Sean O'Brien. <laughs> The two men have tussled on social media before, but in a hearing ostensibly about our economy, they nearly came to blows. I want to warn anyone with young children, what we're about to show you is extremely stupid. <laughs> Jim? You tweeted at me one, two, three, four, five times. And let me read what the last one said. Quick the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. <laughs> Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Consenting adults. That's not how a fight starts. <laughs> right? If there's gonna be a fight, I'd like to warn that senator, you look pretty big, but historically, people who take on the Teamsters end up with season tickets to Giant Stadium <laughs> underneath the end zone. <laughs> now, luckily, luckily before things came to blows, cooler heads prevailed, and for once, the cooler head belonged to Bernie Sanders. Oh, hold it. Oh, hold, stop it. Is that your Pardon. solution, every poll? No, no, sit down. Sit down. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Active. Hold it. Sit down, please. Can I respond? Mr. Hold it. Hold it. If we can't... No, I have the mic. I'm sorry. This is hold it. Said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. Zip it! Zip it, Bunsen Honeydew. Sit down, or I'll come over there and redistribute the top 10% of my fist and 99% of your face. I will split your lip like pea soup. Don't make me take off my mittens. We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Rachel Maddow. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. 
And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back. My guest tonight is an author and Emmy-winning journalist who hosts The Rachel Maddow Show. Please welcome Rachel Maddow. Thank you very much. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, too. Been too long. I always enjoy talking to you. As I have said many times before, you are the preeminent person in the news media who can come on and lay out a problem or a news story like parts on the lawn and just put it back together for everybody so they understand not just what's happened, but what the source of that moment is. And right now, you, 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 you may have seen, like we talked about in the monologue tonight, that there are clear signs that uh, Donald Trump and his people are at least fascist curious, you know? Yeah. Yes. There's just yes. a whiff of leather boot in there. <laughs> <laughs> and and you got you got this new book that uh, I uh, am really enjoying called Prequel, an American Fight Against Fascism. Okay, um, well timed. I was just going to say I did not mean it to be this well timed. I feel like we have been in this moment where there is an ascendant anti-democratic movement in our politics, and it can be very flummoxing and very concerning. For me, it actually helps to know that Americans before us faced something just as bad or worse and did very well against it. Um, That is the hopeful nature of this book, which which I want to get into in just a moment. But first, I want to ask you about what's been happening recently. On, On Veterans Day, on a Veterans Day speech, Trump called the left vermin and fascists. And you know a two thing about fascists in this book. Why do you think he's leaning into these comparisons? Yeah, I think it's important that it very clearly wasn't an ad lib. This wasn't something that uh, he riffed on. It was seemed to have been in his teleprompter. It was 100 minutes into the speech. And uh, he, after the speech, then posted it with the same language on truth, whatever, his online yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and so this means that this is not a slip of the tongue. This is something that he's doing deliberately. And if, like, if you know one thing about fascist dictators of yore, you know that they call the people they want to eliminate vermin, right? You know, you know that dehumanizing language is the yes. thing. It's like the cartoon language of, of fascism. And so I think that he's deliberately doing that. And so Trump did that at the same time that we've had these leaks, kind of official leaks from his campaign, that he wants to build camps for millions of people, um, that he wants Professional to... camps, though. Professional-looking camps. I like <laughs> yes, the no-crocs yeah, exactly. element. It's, it's, it just <laughs> classes it up a lot. Yeah. But camps... For millions of people in Americans, he also wants to invoke something called the Insurrection Act, which would allow him to use U.S. military force against American civilians at home. And he says he's going to invoke that on day one, which would give him, from that day forward, the ability to use the army against us at home. Um, so doing, floating all of those things at once and calling his opponents vermin, he's deliberately inviting 
the criticism that he is behaving like a Hitler or Mussolini-style fascist dictator. Well, he, he must think that that's a good thing for him and his campaign. And my, my question to you is, from what you've learned about studying fascist movements and fascist movements in America, is given that fascism is essentially an attractively lazy political tool, why do you think it has so many people on the right in America right now interested in it? Well, I think that he's inviting us to call him a fascist and he's doing these things so that... I so mean, I just he, played into his hand, is what you're saying? Well, I am too. I mean, nothing, you can't ignore it, right? You don't have a choice. He is yanking our chain. He does want to be talked about in these terms. But it's also, it's important that you pointed out that he, in that speech, also called his critics fascists. He wants fascists just to become a random political epithet, just an insult that everybody uses that means nothing. In the same way that he took fake, fake news was a thing. But then he decided all news is fake news. And now fake news is just this term that means nothing. Well, because there can be no uh, authority other than the authoritarian. And so no one can label him with anything, including something as accurate as fascist. So that all ha meaning has to be undermined. That's what George yes. Orwell talks about. There, there can be no meaning to anything other than what the state says the meaning is. That's exactly right. So okay. he's sapping those words of their meaning so we can't criticize him by calling him a fascist because he says everything's fascist. And there's also the, the, the ongoing thing on the, the modern Republican Party, which is every accusation is a confession. No puppet, no puppet, you're a puppet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes, this is, this is the way he works. But this is, he's part of a, it's not just about him. He's trying to build an anti-democratic movement in this country where people want a strong man um, to hold power by force rather than for us to use elections. And it is we, appealing because yeah. it, you know, it's simple. Yeah. Just do what the strong man says. I alone can fix it. Yeah. We need to talk our fellow Americans out of that as an idea without paying any attention to him. Now, today, today in the Senate, there was actual threat of violence in the Senate today. Um, how does that make you feel about the state of our democracy? <laughs> I, uh, I feel like this is one of those things where it's obviously hilarious. Because it's so stupid. Yes. Um, like, that guy just absolutely... You see him try to take off his ring? Sure. Sure. I was like... Because he wouldn't want to hurt the other guy. Oh, exactly. He wouldn't want to dent your ring? I mean, what is he talking about? It's so stupid and hilarious and also super scary and bad. And that's our lives now. That's the Venn diagram where we live right in the middle of super stupid and really bad. Um, because, I mean, the thing that's bad is that one of the things you watch for in a democracy in danger is for violence to start encroaching on the political space. People doing normal political things, going to a hearing, being a poll worker, or certifying an election result, those people are intimidated or threatened with violence or actually subjected to violence. When that starts happening, it means normal people get out of politics and it becomes a place for brawlers and for people to take power by force. That's one of the big warning signs. And for these guys to be playing with it literally inside the Senate is so stupid and also so bad. And almost made Bernie bring the hammer down, you know? Yeah. Bring that little, little Vermont vengeance down on these two guys. I gotta say. His friends, Ben and Jerry. <laughs> okay. We have to take a quick break, uh, but don't go away. We'll be right back with more Rachel Maddow, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. 
So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. We're back with the author of Prequel, An American Fight Against Fascism, Rachel Maddow. Donald Trump Jr. took the stand yesterday in the fraud trial, uh, the civil case here in New York City. Uh, Ivanka was there last week. Um, Are these trials, um, they seem legitimate, but are they a distraction politically? Will his supporters, to the best of your knowledge, support him no matter what happens? In, the, in his, whether he's found culpable or, or convicted. I mean, we won't know until we know. We won't know until we see. But the, there, was a, there was polling last weekend or so that freaked everybody in the center and on the left out, which showed Trump beating Biden in five of six swing states. You might have heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things inside that poll was they asked those same recipients, uh, those same respondents, if Trump is convicted of any of the 91 felonies he's charged with, would that change your mind about who you're voting for? And actually, the answer was yes. It meant that if he was convicted of any one of the 91 charges, all six of those swing states would go to Biden in that same poll. And so you don't bring those charges because you think that'll have a political effect. You bring those charges because there's been a crime. Um, But we don't know what the impact of them will be, what the impact of a conviction will be. And he's got 91 shots at a conviction. In the January 6th uh, case, which will be in Washington, D.C., the uh, Trump team is lobbying for there to be cameras allowed in the courtroom. Why do you think that would be beneficial? Or why do you think that they think that would be a benefit to him? I think he likes being on TV. And so, I mean, you see that, like, the, sure. the civil trial, he, the, the one where Don Jr. just testified, yeah. he doesn't have to be there for that trial. It's a civil trial. There's no criminal charges. You don't have to be in the courtroom. But he's been there every day, and every time, he, every time there's a break, he walks out of the courtroom and looks for a camera. Right. It's like because, the like, even his rallies aren't getting the kind of coverage they used to get, but everyone's going to cover him in court. Because it seems like a dramatic confrontation and a moment of accountability for him. And so I think that's probably just it. Listen, I think there's a public interest in having cameras in the courtroom. And... Um, what, what, is that, what is that public interest? Because I know that NBC is lobbying for that to happen. Yeah, NBC is one of the entities that's asking the court to do it, and the prosecutors are saying, no, they don't want it, and Trump is saying, yes, he does. So it's interesting in terms of how the court is going to decide, and it'll be the judge. Do you often decision. agree with Donald Trump on legal matters? <laughs> this, is a, this, is a rare, this is a rare feeling? one. Okay. Yeah, this makes me... Best. I would love it because I have footage yeah. to run to make fun of him. <laughs> but, that, but that is a selfish endeavor... On my behalf, I don't think it would be better for the republic necessary. But, uh, but I, I think the other thing you'd have is the, the footage showing due process, mm-hmm. showing, about how the, showing how the legal process works. So even in the cases that he's involved in now, like the civil case, he's saying, oh, the judge is a monster and the judge's clerk is terrible and it's also unfair and it's all just... Well, if we could see what was going on with the camera while it was happening, we would know whether or not that was BS or whether or not he was actually being treated by the legal treated fairly by the legal system. And so transparency for court cases as serious and important as this, I think there's a there's a good case for it even if he does want it. 
Now, the... Um, it, in, in the book here, uh, Prequel, uh, An American Fight Against Fascism, uh, as you said, as you intimated before, is that we've been through this before yeah. and possibly worse. What was America's flirtation with fascism before this? When have we sort of dodged this bullet? The one that I write about in the book is just in the lead-up to World War II. So by 1940, like, 83% of the public didn't want us to join World War II. Mm -hmm. And for most people, that was just, you know, we just had World War I. We don't want to get involved in another war in Europe. But for some significant portion of Americans, they thought, well, if we are going to get involved in World War II, let's fight on the German side. Um, there was because... a because Hitler has the right idea and fascism is the wave of the future. 1941, the best-selling book in America was written by Charles Lindbergh's wife, and it was a book about the beauty and promise of fascism. The good news there is that by 1943, two years later, the best-selling book in the country was written by a guy who infiltrated all the pro-Nazi groups in America and spilled all the tea on all of them. <laughs> Um, and exposed them all and showed how terrible they were and that they were all getting Nazi support. So, I mean, the country went, really went through it. It was a huge, a huge part of the news about what was going on in our country in the lead-up to World War II. And we've forgotten it because then we fought World War II, and that's a, that's a more comfortable story to tell. But there were a lot of Americans here, some who were working for the Nazis, but a lot of whom wanted fascism on our side. Um, you, you ran MSNBC's coverage of the last Republican debate, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> because it's, it's a tough gig because you're talking to people who are supposedly competing to be the nominee for the Republican Party to be the next president of the United States, and yet the person who's actually beating them by 30, 40, 50, depending on the state, points, is not there. Yeah. And who, other than Chris Christie, though not as much as you would expect, are not throwing any punches at the guy as if they have all these 91 knives at their disposal there from his, you know, his indictments, yeah. and they don't use them. What do you think is happening with those folks? Those folks, I think, all know that what they are competing for is the silver medal, that they're, really, they're fighting each other to come in second in the Republican presidential primary. There is no second prize. You don't get anything with the Unless silver medal. Unless he goes to jail? And then maybe, maybe they're the last man standing? And so maybe you want to end up not totally antagonizing the people in the Republican Party who like Donald Trump so you can absorb his votes when, something, when he gets struck by lightning. I don't know. But <laughs> it's, it is sad to see them not trying to win, not trying to knock Trump out other than Chris Christie, um, really just trying to draft in his wake. That's why, those, that's, that's why covering those debates feels like a wake. Right, yeah. and you're talking to eight dead people on stage. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not nice. It's not a. It's not a nice. That's the only reason I don't do it. <laughs> they keep asking. <laughs> we have to take a little break, but when we come back, more Rachel, everybody. Don't go nowhere. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
We're here with the author of Prequel, An American Fight Against Fascism, Rachel Maddow. Mike Johnson, we just found out minutes before you walked out here, a new new speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, has passed uh, the funding bill. And uh, with help from Democrats, it went like this. It went 336 to 95, uh, 93 Republicans against it, two Democrats against it. Now, this is the kind of deal that lost Kevin McCarthy his job. All but two Democrats in support of the Republican bill. Right. I think just the idea of there being a continuing government was what they were voting for, is my guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think he's going to pay a price from this? What do you you know about his position as opposed to Kevin McCarthy's? Because this is the kind of bill that sank Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. What 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 did I do to you? (laughs) I... I... I'm sure Mr. Johnson is very smart. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> capable and knows exactly what he's doing. Uh-huh. But he got this job because the previous guy was driven out with pitchforks and torches for having had the temerity to speak to political opponents rather than just wishing them dead. And now he needs his political opponents in order to keep his, his job. Like, I just... We all know how this ends. Um, this is not a party that is trying to govern. Um, and we are, we're faced with this larger project right now in our politics, which is that one side under the Republican Party's leader is trying to say, you know, my political opponents don't deserve to live. I shouldn't be subject to elections. I should just have power and rule and use the government to crush my enemies and get revenge. And the Democrats are like, we'd like to talk about white rail and <laughs> some foreign, balanced foreign policy perspectives on attacking, you know. Like, Democrats are still treating this like it is a governing project, and it is really, the two parties are doing two very different things. And so now we are going to keep the government open. It is because the Democrats came to the rescue and said that we should. But this is the Republican Party still not even wanting to keep the government going because they don't believe that governance is what we need in this country. They believe we want a strongman form of government under a guy who just says what, hap- what he wants and it happens. And it, the stakes are really high right now, and it's just depressing to see what's happening in Congress. Rachel, last question. Yeah. How do we get out of this mess? <laughs> no pressure. Well put. Well put. No pressure. I mean, the, the big picture answer um, is if you are trying to defend democracy, you only have one arrow in your quiver. You only have one weapon, and that is democracy. You cannot fight an anti-democratic movement with anti-democratic means. You have to treat your fellow Americans like human beings. You have to fight against scapegoating and toxic conspiracy theories that are trying to make you think that your fellow Americans are not worthy of participating in a democracy with you. You need to beat people at at the polling place. And you need to make sure that the public knows the truth about this stuff. You need activism and journalism, and you need to not be scared of people who are trying to use violence to intimidate us out of this process. It's just, it's small d democratic commitment, and we need it more than we've ever needed it this year. Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you. Her new book, Prequel, is out now. Rachel Maddow, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to the Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. CBS Friday and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Cal Fire's coming to you! Don't 
Smith's TV's hottest show, Fire Country. This is a high-complexity rescue with a low chance of success. Follow the rules. Can you shave another day off your sentence? Critics call it explosive and pure entertainment. I'm a fella. I'm not fit to be anything else. You're not an inmate. You're a firefighter. Bring it on. Fire Country. New episode Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy.